from the Boomer and the Babe studio at the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's time for Success or Failure with Tom and Terry. Success or Failure is the show that gives you methods and principles to guide you to your best business and your best self. Now here are Tom Legering and Terry Munther.
you know, American-type activities. I, I think those patriotism, those sorts of things are, are, are really strived for in schools, but there's just less and less and less time. It, it, it's less time, but I also see it's the outside forces. Yeah. It yeah. used to be, and I'm a, I'm a, a Stone Age person, so when I would go to school and I would mess up, which was part of my routine, uh, you know, my learning curve, I should say, um, the, it was never a problem of, you know, the parents finding out. It was, I would beg the teacher, don't call my parents. Give me whatever punishment you can think of, and I will be the nicest kid in the whole class, in the whole school. And today, it's just like the little kid is, brings this thing to school, and I don't know all the particulars, but he was treated roughly, and now they want $15 million. Yeah. I mean, it's like instead of the parents defending and, and being part of the school uh, discipline thing, they are now stopping the discipline yeah. thing and yeah. stopping the education and stopping the things that American schools were supposed to be able to give our kids. Because, I mean, uh, you know, just like flags in California, they, they and I, I'm, I believe in the American flag in America. But when a kid wore a T-shirt with an American flag on it in California, he was uh, detained and sent home to change his shirt. But the kids with the Mexican flags, that was okay because it was their holiday. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, I think all of those issues are so complex. And, oh, and, I, and, I agree and I said that. we want parents to be the, the first role of teachers. But you, you also have parents with more struggles and, and more issues today, you know, than, than parents of any other generation had. And you put that all together and you get to the parents have less time and, and there's more single families, there's more poverty, so you get all of those issues, and of course that shows up at the school school yeah. step and school door. And where your program comes in, or our program comes in with GPS, is it actually is a nice way to get into the school door because you're doing it through a school curriculum that's very yeah. necessary. Right. When I was a school superintendent, I can't tell you how many calls I had from whether it be voting public or or members of the public who would want a curriculum put in the school of their interest. Oh, right. right, right. I think kids need to learn about blank. Yeah. And, and you get the calls, especially you know citizenship and and uh, all about the laws. And I, I get it. I get it. You know. But what would happen is invariably you've got a set curriculum. You've got so much time. You have so much accountability. With GPS, what we're doing is. A state-mandated curriculum, you know, as far as I know, probably almost every state should be anyway, is physical education yeah. because we need to get kids moving and physically active. And so in, in most states, it's a graduation requirement. So if the kids are going to be involved in a already set curriculum and we can come in and help the teachers and help the school and help the school district within a set curriculum. So you're not asking for something no, more. extra. You're actually saying within your curriculum we're willing to teach a, a section of golf with not just how to play and improving your play, but with all of the values that come with golf, as you 
talked about. That's just a great marriage. It's a you know, and, and as a school superintendent, I would have listened more to that because normally I was going, yeah, I just don't have time to add another curriculum. Yeah, but that's not what we're saying here. No. So so I think it's a nice marriage. It's a really uh, unique attempt to, you know, not just get into the school system, but to supplement the school yeah, system. Augment it. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, what what we're what we're finding is that. Uh, in fact, uh, we we started. The idea was right around the first of last year, so we're less than ten months old, and uh, we got our first class in, uh, in as a pilot program over at Peoria High School, and we're teaching freshmen because they're the only class that has to take PE here in this state, so. What we do is we get every kid. So we're every kid that's going through this school, no matter what their what their um, physical ability, no matter what their economic ability. We, we talked to a class where uh, when we had two cla- two PE classes, a total one boys and one girls, and we had a total of seventy six kids go through the class. We had about about. 80 kids came out on a field trip. So we had nine classes in school, in the PE class. And then we had one outside where we brought them, the the school bus the kids over here for a field trip. And they got to experience being at a country club. They got to experience uh, not being rowdy and run around and be little wild people. Uh, They got to to experience hitting a real golf ball mm-hmm. on grass, uh, seeing how people conduct themselves in a in a on a golf course, and yeah, how they that's just a great environmental yeah. experience for them. And ninety nine percent of the kids had never been to a golf course, let alone hit a golf ball. But through that class and what we were teaching, they got we had. Um, 89% of the kids said they liked the class and they were going to keep golf in their life. And we're not for first tee where we're telling people, oh, come out and be to go be a PGA pro, and where they just take the whole masses and winnow them down to uh, get the best players so that you can be a coach for them. We're, we're not looking at that. We're... We have no problem upstreaming to the other organizations like Junior Golf, Junior Golf for Girls, or First Tee. Our program is to introduce these programs, and our main thing is the educational part where we have kids now that uh, are looking at scholarships that never even thought they would qualify for a scholarship. Two of the girls in that first class are on the Peoria's high school, golf team now as sophomores. They went through the program in uh, April, May, and they got on the team, and then they moved forward. And and as as they, they did that, I got to meet one of the girls' moms, and I told her why we're doing it and that there's uh, college scholarships, 
and the daughter had already looked up the scholarships, and the mom didn't really believe her. Uh-huh. And so she's questioning me about it. I said, don't take my word for it. Look it up. There's $50 million for girls in scholarships, and the millennials are not playing. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of scholarships that are going to go unapplied for in Title I schools, the main uh, Division I, excuse me, uh, colleges, have 200 scholarships unapplied for out of 1,800 go unapplied for. That's that's $1,000 a piece that a parent can, okay, well, okay, now I can get my kid in, but if I'm if I'm from a, under uh, a lower economic uh, family, how am I going to get my kid to learn golf? Well, there's, and, and they can't afford this or that. They can't afford clubs or outfits or this or that. What we have is a program here that in the summertime, the kids, they bring a paying adult, they're free. They, they, uh, the adult buys a bucket of balls, so maybe they don't go play golf, but the kids, the mom can come and buy a bucket of balls for $5, and we'll give a $5 bucket to the kid. The kid's hitting all the balls, yeah. so they're out hitting 100 golf balls, and they could come out every day. They can yeah. be here as much as they want. That's just a, it's a nice, nice program. It's a nice uh, curriculum, and the way that it's been developed of golf and golf rules and golf for a lifetime, but also the golf values portion right. of it. And I, and I know one of the issues is going to be down the road, is, of course, is sponsorship and funding for right. it. I mean, we've done it all for free to this point. The school district has not had to pay for it, but at some point, if it's going to expand and if it's going to continue, we're going to need donations or connections or partnerships, yeah. whether it be with business or other, or other charities. And I guess for anyone who's listening to this, Tom, what would be the information we could give anyone who's interested in, in seeing that golf in schools uh, continues? They, they can uh, look at our website, which is uh, uh, golf, G-O-L-F, uh, ps.org and www.golfps.org and there's a place there for them to donate. But the idea is, what I'm looking for people is not to write a check for $5 or something, unless they have it. But if they have a company, if they know of somebody that has a company who is interested in in the area. Our, our goal is to teach. We've, we've taught 800. We start out with 80 approximately. Then we went to 800. And we just finished up with them. Well, we've had four high schools out of the seven in Peoria. And uh, there's 1,600 freshmen go through each semester. So there's two, two groups that go through. So we will be teaching the, the uh, April-May class uh, next, and that's about 1,600. So the following year and the years after, we'll be introducing 3,200 kids a year to the program to golf in in public schools. But we've what they what they would do is if there's anybody that want knows a a national sponsor, this thing really needs to go national. But I'm only interested in, here in the West Valley of uh, Arizona, of Maricopa County. There's 44 high schools. 
There's thirty. There's twenty thousand freshmen go through our forty-four high schools every year, and my goal is within three years I'm going to find the money somewhere and I'm going to get those kids in the class. Yeah. It costs about five dollars a kid to put them through a, a program, and we started out with nine weeks and a half a day here at the club, and now we've changed that to six classes that we actually come and teach at. And then we've given them the teachers four PowerPoints that they can have the kids watch a program and see um, the, the in intricacies of the game, the rules, the uh, nomenclature, the names, the mm -hmm. par, what's a par, what's this, what's yeah. that, you know, all the different names and the etiquette part of it. And then a piece that's what not to do because it's not all just, you know, <laughs> stuffy and straight. It's, yeah. There's a one one whole lecture of all the things not to do, one of which was there's a golf cart going down a cart path like they're supposed to, but it's going at a very rapid speed, <laughs> and he actually caught air going over this little hump, and then this little voice keeps saying, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, and the guy is trying to get control of his cart and bash right into a tree. So, I mean, it's it's stuff that adults and other people do on a golf course that's really dumb, but it's funny dumb. And so we're we're showing that side of it. Here's the people side of it, that this is what they do, this is what you're not supposed to do, and here's what you are supposed to do. So they get four classes that the PE teacher does by themselves. Then when we go in, we're in the gym, and we use uh, a softball. It's not a regular golf ball, but it, and we've gone, like I say, we've taught 800 kids so far. A couple of them have lost the club, but it was going <laughs> away from the group, and it lands at a very loud noise. They are then told they have to sit. Well, that's, that just shows that we didn't teach them. We tell them. We didn't teach you the proper grip, and so what we want, we give them a ruler, and we show them, and so they have to sit and practice holding this ruler in a proper, yeah. proper way, so that it's it's a perfect way to get your hands and your fingers on the club and and figure that part out. But what we're doing is we're we're going to be a public-private partnership with the schools, yeah. and we know, especially every school district in the country, I. I know has the same problem, or I think I should say I feel they have the same problem. They just don't have enough money for everything that they want to do for the kids. And it doesn't help to have parents that sue school districts for $15 million because you upset little Johnny because he brought a thing that looked like a bomb to school and then you discriminated against him. I just, I don't get that stuff. But if the parents would learn that the schools are not just babysitters, that they have to be part of the partnership yeah, with the education. Yeah. They are not, I know you can't say that stuff right out to the public, <laughs> but I'm the public, so I can say it to the rest of us, is that... I'm public now. Yeah. I've retired again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Well, I know, you're weaning yourself. Yeah, I, I am. Hey, GPS. Golf in public schools. Again, uh, check out the website. It's gone magnificently well so far and will continue to grow. And if you're interested or you can help or you have any uh, child who might be interested in the program, please uh, let, let us know. But I'd like to shift gears, Tom, in, yeah. the, in the time we have left. 
Um, a lot of work that we've done on this program and also that Tom and I have done together is centered around the book that he and his son TJ have written, uh, Success or Failure, The Choice is Yours. And we've done workshops and seminars uh, on, on the first book, and I know any of you who have listened to the program before have, have heard it significantly on this program and how, how we try to use the book to impact people's lives financially and, and personally. Um, and Tom has been in, engrossed or involved or whichever uh, word you want to use in, in a rewrite of that book, uh, second edition, if you will, but not the same book, uh, with some tweaks and differences. And uh, so talk about why you're rewriting it, Tom, and what, what you hope to accomplish with the rewrite. Okay. Well, uh, if you <clears throat> if you look at our – go to our website and, and you can see a copy of our book, there's a, a little place – that says start. And we've actually done a survey. I've, I've got out about 2,000 books. Uh, they say the average sales is about um, about 500. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like thousands of books written every, you know, daily there's <coughs> books coming out on the market. And some of them are well-funded and some of them aren't. But we've got 2,000 out. And the thing that's different with our book is that we actually give mentoring to the people. And so they get to kind of take the book for a test ride. They can look at the website. And they can see a lot of the information that's on there. And then what we're doing is we would talk to them, and 30% of the people actually had life-changing, and this is their words, life-changing events that happen to them for positive. I think that's necessary to say, positive <laughs> life-changing yeah. experiences yeah. with the book. And they actually managed to get themselves on a path, a career path, that led them or is leading them to reach goals. And what we teach in the, in the past is I just t tell people about how to run your life as a business and what's your profits or what's your goal, what what's your epitaph, what do you want to have? And, you know, I got my start with Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I think the majority of self-help books use are steeped in his information. Yeah. So, and my, my background is all set that way. But what we found it so different is that I... I I wanted to hear why the people were successful and they're happy and they say, uh, I'm reaching my goals. And then I would ask, well, is that making you happier? And that's that was part of the, the significant part in that area is that they were only about half of them were, were really happy. You know, I mean, say, oh, yes, my it's... My life is still struggle, struggle. And I try to figure that out. Well, then I went to the other side. There's 70% who didn't get anything out of it. And so I asked yeah. them, well, why didn't you get anything? I mean, these other people are making progress. They're, they're not 100% happy, but they're striving. Uh, yeah. They're going towards something. Yeah. And they, their life has been changed for a positive thing. Okay. Then the, the people that didn't... I. They, well, I don't know, or whatever. You know, they give these little non-descriptive non ideas. Mm -hmm. And it came down to, I didn't read the book. Yeah. 
I didn't not only did I not read it, what happened I got started and I got so engrossed engrossed at that one thing but I didn't write it. I I got oh I boy, he's right on this. I gotta do this. I gotta make this change and they dashed off to do this change. Mm-hmm. And it and may or may not didn't come back, didn't even make a plan. They they yeah. o- they only saw a thing and they went toward it. Oh, yeah, this is a good idea. I think I'll go there. So now what I'm saying is I gotta get people to start. That's the new thing with the book is how do you get people to start? And once they start, how do you get them to go through it? And so what I'm saying in the in the book and the rewrite is I do not bring a pencil with you to read the book. It's going to be about 40 or 50 pages of of book. There's all the little the helps and the other stuff is in the back, but I just want you to read the first part of the book, not the appendixes, and you can read the introduction and, and the acknowledgments and all that stuff to see where it's going. Then read that, no pencil. Do not pick up a pencil. Do not start. <laughs> do not say, "Oh, I got to start this." Read the whole thing, which is easy. Yeah. You should be able to do it in one sitting in less than two hours. I mean, really, an hour should be the outside, but I'm giving it two hours. So, yeah. if you're a slow reader, take your time, go through it, think about it, but keep moving. So that's the first thing that's going to be different: is how do you get the people to start? And the second thing that we're doing is. We went out and found two co-contributors that are, one is um, Thad and Heather Young. They have a program called Take Shape for Life. Uh, it's about getting people to be healthy, eating healthy. Mm-hmm. And not our biggest problem right now in this country is, quite frankly, obesity. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you saw the thing, well, there's stuff in the paper again yesterday about yeah. how many, this huge percentage of Americans are living longer, but we're not happy. Yeah. We're fat, but we're <laughs> not happy. And so this is what's going on. I see it I see it in people and how they're they're functioning. So is and she writing a a, a chapter? They're then? gonna put an appendix in. I'm okay. putting a, a thing in the front of the book to to introduce the idea. Okay. And then in the back there will be an appendix that talks about their whole program. So in getting that done, so, okay, I'm talking about how to get yourself run like a business so that you don't have problems with finances, how to get over being burdened by I have to have a whole bunch of stuff and, oh, by the way, my storage locker bill is due today. You don't need the storage locker. Get rid of that junk. (laughs) This no, and I'm sorry to storage locker, There happens to be two and a half billion square feet of storages in this country. That is money that was spent and sent to China so they can have one of the best economies in the world. And that is bad on us. I mean, we we used to be the the smart Yankee traders and and the entrepreneurial types, and we missed that beat. So now... Got, I'm looking at my book is talking about success or failure financially and personally, but now I'm bringing in healthy body. So look up 
body mass index and find out what your weight should be. And I don't want to hear any excuses. Go to your doctor and get your weight down. And the reason I can say that so emphatically is I dropped 41 pounds and I'm keeping it off. So I I look old. <laughs> I look like like I'm you know past health, but. I'm I'm feeling better. I got more energy. Everything is working for me in that in that regard. So I know that this program that I'm talking about, or Thad and Heather Young are talking about, actually works and and can make it work. Then the other thing that I'm doing is uh, uh, David Thielen has. I think he likes it pronounced Thielen. David Thielen. He's a uh, uh, biofeedback specialist, and he's actually spent over 10,000 hours counseling people. And a lot of it is, how do you get over an addiction? How do you get over this problem? What? Why is my brain not allowing me to function? You know, why? Why don't I? Why don't I have self-worth? What? What are all these problems that people have, and how do you get over it? So there will be a section. He's a co-author with us. So what we're going to have is body, mind, and how to fix your finances. So the book now is going to combine these things. And then uh, I do have a part in there with my son uh, that is about property management and real estate ownership and part of how do you get your financial stuff together with real estate because I've been around – and thinking about earning and making money. I was 19, well, actually since I was six, but <laughs> you know, that's when my dad had me selling vegetables yeah. out of a three-wheel cart because that was during the war and there were only three wheels. Yeah. So he had to figure out how to make the cart work with three. But, you know, that. so I've had that kind of experience and when you're, when you're looking at it and seeing what's coming, we have a $19, $20 trillion debt, and gold and silver prices are going down. Yeah. Now, let's see. In inflation or hyperinflation, wouldn't those kind of commodities go up and wouldn't gasoline prices go up and wouldn't? But no, uh, nothing goes up, so we on Social Security do not get a raise. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> but when I go to the... To the market and buy my hundred dollars. I can carry out of my groceries. I can carry out in bags in one hand. Yeah. Whereas before, I needed a cart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, there's no inflation, but you just don't eat as much. But you know, then we have to eat all these sugared products that make us fat, and that keeps uh, Obamacare going. But it's just. The book is being changed, and I, I think I think for the better because there's one part I'm changing it around because I'm actually having it divided up just like how you run a business. In the in the earlier book, I put in a part about a org chart for a business, and there's 31 jobs you have to do to have a business run efficiently, and most people think, oh well. I'm the boss, and that's it. You know, I'm the boss of me. Well, that's a good thing. I want you to feel that you're the boss of you, and if you're not happy, it's your job to fix it. You know, I mean, fix you first, 
because everybody talks about this time of year especially. Oh, we got to help others. Yeah. Get the mirror out, look in it, and start there. Yeah. Make sure that person is a happy, healthy, productive human being and do everything that's necessary to make sure that's working. And then from your excess, give to other people. Because I see, I see victims of domestic violence that I, I teach over at Eve's Place. And my gosh, I mean, it, nobody's ever told them that it, they, they can help themselves, yeah. you know, or yeah. they're in charge of themselves. In yeah. fact, the, the predator has taken that away from them. And once they get back on track, that's what I was using my first book for, is to help victims of domestic violence. We took, uh, at Eve's place, we went from 10% of the people when they left the shelter getting employment, to now it's over 75%. And, you know, so it's a whole different idea out there that they actually, and I mostly give them books or let them have parts of the book so that they can... They can do that, but you know but, that's you know, part my, of it. My takeaway from I think what what you're doing with the the new book, which I think we did with the old book, but you're really trying to hammer it home too, is for people to actually start the plan yeah. and daily think about it and Every do day. it. It was, you know, when we were working with homeless vets and we were working with with Eve's place, and and I think all of us can some extent, because I've just found this now. I've, I've just recently retired again. We've just sold a home. We're transitioning. We have parents who are elderly and dealing with all that. And so it seems like here I am retired, but life is moving so much faster in so many more directions. Well, that, that's a bad metaphor for people of domestic violence or people who are really hurting. My point is life is a swirl of issues yeah. for so many people. And what happens is is I think we all get caught up in those issues and we get to the end of the day and say, I didn't get done what I wanted to get done. I was dealing with this or I had to deal with this or I had to deal with this. And I think what we're we're trying to help us all through, and I hope the book, the second version of the book does that too, is a daily score. Absolutely. Because, you know, it was interesting. I'll, I'll just share this. I don't think my wife would matter. We had, yesterday, we were just really busy. You know, we... <laughs> Your well, life matters. Let well, me yeah, but we had, we had a to-do clear. list. We had a, we had, and, of course, we're hosting Thanksgiving, so we had to go to the store. We had to be here. We had to get this. We had blah, blah, blah. You know, we had appointments. We had all this stuff. And we got home, and it was 5 o'clock, and we went out into our backyard and sat on the swing. And I said, we got a lot done today. And the first one started out, we both worked out in the morning. Oh, okay. So yeah. we worked out, and then we started said, you know, we worked out. We did something good for us. We did all our running around. We got everything done. We found a restaurant we hadn't been to for years and had lunch, and that was great. Got home in time for a leisurely dinner. We're sitting out on our back swing at 75 degrees, and we said, count all the stuff up we did. This was a good day. If you could do that every day, but again, what it takes is whether you do it in the morning or the night before, a plan for the day. Not necessarily a plan for a lifetime or a plan for months. What would make this at the end at five o'clock today or six o'clock today? If I'm sitting out in my back swing, what will I need to check off to say the same thing today? Right. And if we could do that on a daily basis for people who are looking for work, what what can I 
go to sleep tonight saying it, it was a valuable day because I got these things done in my search or I got these things done for my health or whatever. But I, I get more and more, maybe it's because I'm getting older, I get more and more on daily goals <laughs> than I do yeah. weekly or monthly well, and just think because if a person would do that every day and it's part of a plan, yeah. I get it. You don't yeah. want to be too random about it. Um, well, I think you could get out a week or two weeks or a month and say, I, I'm really making making strides here. The, the, that's, that's the key uh, to what our program does is you make a, a five-year plan. And like you say, well, five years, okay, I just got to work on it for five years. No, I write up a five-year plan. It might be 20 pages thick, but you just put it all down at what's called an executive summary on one page, no bigger than an eight and a half by 11, and you handwrite on that what it is you're trying to do, and you look at that morning and night and read it out loud so that every day you can, when, if you're a morning person, you do it in the morning. If you're a night person, you do it at night. But you write down at least 10 things you want to get done the next day and it doesn't mean that's all you can do, but you've got to have some things. And if you don't have enough things on it, then then look for some help other people. There's all kinds of volunteer places. There's all kinds of things. Like in, in these classes, I spent last seven weeks, I spent uh, 26 hours in PE. So 126, excuse me. I was in 120 PE classes giving my little talk and... Yeah helping the kids do stuff. And I got so much out of that, it's like energized. Yeah, it does. And I still got all my other stuff done. You know, it wasn't like, oh, well, my gosh, I can't. So you just put it over onto something else. And, I mean, people say that they're tired. I'm 77 and I'm not tired. (laughs) Yes, that that reminds me, and I'm going to have to leave you for soon. Yeah, I know. But I, I thought it fit right in when I was watching watching the golf channel yesterday for in the morning for a week I went to work out and they had a I wish I could quote his name because he deserves kudos but he was a sports psychologist therapist for the top PGA professional oh, okay. golfers right. and so he was talking about goal setting it was part of the program and the announcer uh, asked him so what do you've worked with Tiger Woods and you've worked with Jordan Spieth he mm-hmm. says yep I still do he says, and, and so what goals do they set this time of year as you're heading into the season? And he said, they don't set goals. They have obsessions. Oh, yeah. Those two, yeah. yeah. And he said, the best golfers or athletes that I work with, they don't have goals per se. They're obsessed. Yeah. They wake up in the How morning with an obsession to get better every day. And they may start at 5 or 6 or 7 o'clock, and they've been up already cranking through it at night what they need to do to get better. You know, you could take that overboard. But I like the analogy of saying, you know, it's not all about goals, but if I'm obsessed, Mm -hmm. and why I said it kind of reminded me, you have an obsession for this GPS program. You've you've said, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to find the money. I'm going to do it. And that's more than just a goal. You know, that, oh, yeah. that's a drive inside. And I think if whether we're looking for work, we're looking to get out of a bad situation, we're looking to improve our lives in any way, if we could make that more of a, not just what are my goals for today, but we get obsessed about making it happen, it yeah. will happen. Yeah, and, and this is 
this is why I want people to look at their lives and understand you're in charge of you. And that's why I'm trying to bring business principles to the individuals because uh, what's, what's going to happen in the future, nobody knows. We just are able to figure certain things out. But we need, as a country, as individual citizens in a, the greatest country on earth that's ever been for humans, no places have been, like in my lifetime, we've had wars, we've had this, we've had that, but the country and the fiber of the country has always gotten better. And I don't see that happening in the future, but of course I think every generation says that, right? Yeah, yeah, when you, Socrates yeah, said, oh, well... I don't know what's happening to the to the youth of today. <laughs> you know, so I, I know that yeah, this that's is a generational every thing, everyone yeah. falls into that, that pit. But knowing that we can get out, knowing that as individual, you're in charge of you. Nobody else has control over you and your actions other than you. And what I'm trying to do is get the people to recognize they control themselves. And if you're a victim of domestic violence, you're in a comfort zone that you're willing to put up with bad stuff. And I'm trying to get you to look at it and say, no more. Yeah. How do I get out of this situation? Go get shelter. I mean, there are shelter. There's so many, so many places for people to, to exit bad situations. And remember that... When you're going through and just goal setting, and that's the whole point I want people to understand, success is reaching a goal. Happiness is wanting a goal you reach. So if we can sign off now and let let people know that, think about what's going to make you happy. I mean, if having a big house on a hill with 20 storage lockers that you've got <laughs> junk in that you don't even know where it's at. If that makes you happy, I mean, go for it. You're helping out the economy. I think you're dumb, but that's, that's, that's just me and my little humble way of thinking and not too humble speaking. But the idea is that it's what you want. And what's going to make you happy? Because once you're happy, you've got your good health, you've got your mind working, and you're being a productive human being. I think that's what's going to make the country better. Yeah, I, and I agree. And that's a good good place to sign off. We yeah. want to thank you for joining us today on Success or Failure with Tom and Terry. And we you'll join us next time. Uh, we broadcast from the last Wednesday of the month, but you can join us anytime on www www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash boomer and babe. In the meantime, feel free to comment, join in the discussion, email us at successorfailure.org. And once again, this is Dr. Terry Munther and Tom Legering reminding you that success or failure, the choice is yours. You've been listening to Success or Failure with Tom Legering and Terry Munther. Success or Failure is a Boomer and the Babe Enterprises radio production. Contact them at boomerandthebabe.com.